Throughout the four Gospels, there are hints of the meal we call communion culminating in the Last Supper, but not in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, there are those hints, but no Last Supper is described. Instead, in the very last chapter after the resurrection, there is this intimate meal on the beach with Jesus and Simon Peter. Listen to a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. When I was still on faculty at the seminary, Every three and a half years, I would be given a semester-long sabbatical. Sabbatical being one of the most beautiful words in the English language, right up there with golf. On that last sabbatical at the seminary, I was working on a book called Table Talk, and I took pretty much every opportunity I had to bounce the idea off of different people. Sometimes local congregations or in clergy workshops, but also baristas in coffee shops, and for that matter, even people who would be paired up with me on the golf course. 
the book, Table Talk, if you don't know, is about this meal we eat in the church called Communion or Eucharist or Lord's Supper. It goes by lots of names. But there was this one question that I was, I don't know, fascinated with. And I asked it as often as I could. What is your earliest childhood memory of this meal? I mean, lots of us have childhood memories of going to grandparents' house and granddad telling funny jokes. Or, but, but what is your earliest childhood memory of eating this meal called communion? The overwhelming response was being told no. They were little kids, and so they couldn't eat it. Think about that. That was their earliest childhood memory. It was the one time our parents ate in front of us but would not feed us. All those baby birds chirping in the nest and Mama Robin turns her head, pretends not to notice. The second most common response was that this was a very somber affair. If Grandpa told jokes, corny ones, at the table, this was no laughing matter, not this table. You, you sat up straight, or you bowed your head, you remembered that you, well, that Jesus had died, and you might be partly to blame for that. It was a time to inventory your sins and confess. Remember your sins. I suspect that Peter remembers his sins, his failings, as he has breakfast with Jesus there on the shore. Now, this is the last thing in the Gospel of John. This is the end of the Gospel of John, which is kind of like coming into the theater in the last scene of a movie, so we kind of need to rewind a little bit and put it in context. If you don't know, Peter was about as close as it could get to being Jesus' best friend. In all the lists, this one included, Peter's name always comes first. And... Anytime Jesus got away with only a few of his disciples, Peter was always included. But, but things went south near the end. Peter declared one day to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, you know, before the morning, you're going to deny even knowing me three times. And it happens. Jesus is arrested. Peter's outside. He's kind of hedging his bets. And he's, he's interrogated three times. And he says, eventually, I don't know the man. I, I don't have a clue what the worst thing is you've ever done. But if you know that sick feeling in your stomach, I suspect that's how Peter felt. Now, between his betrayal and this breakfast, Jesus is raised from the dead, which is great news, but there's no indication of the two of them talking through what had happened, this betrayal. There's, there's no indication of that. But you heard it. They're fishing. They don't catch anything. It's Jesus. They finally figure it out, and Peter does his best 100 freestyle. You're, you're watching the Olympics, right? He swims to the shore. But my hunch is that while he's swimming, however fast he can go, his thoughts might be going faster. Somewhere between the boat and the beach, I think he hesitates. I think he, he longs to see Jesus and yet maybe doesn't. 
And I think that's where we live when it comes to this meal. We are, we're in the water, so to speak, between the boat and the beach. We long to come to God. We crave this meal of forgiveness and maybe hold back just a little bit. I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy, Lord. Jesus remembers his sins. He knows what he's done. But he doesn't scold him. Instead, he feeds him and three times asks of his love and restores him threefold. Feed my sheep. Do what I called you to do in the first place. I suspect that it's not just our failings that make us hesitate, but one other factor at least. And it's not in the Gospel of John. It's a passage from the pen of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 11. It's a passage that has been used for a long time to beat people up in church. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, you know, some people are sick and some have even died eating this meal in an unworthy manner. Yeah, that, that, that can put a little bit of a, of a kink in the plans for meals. I mean, that can make one hesitate. I get that. But the context is crucial. What was going on is that the wealthy people in the congregation would arrive early for the dinner because the church was in the evening and the poor would get there late. They worked longer. And when they got there, well, the food had been picked over. There was not much. Have you ever been late to a potluck? It's not a good thing. Except in this case, this was how these people lived. And so Paul's concern is that they were not Caring for the body. And when he talks about judging the body, he's not talking about our body, but caring about the whole body of Christ. That's what he means by a worthy or unworthy manner. It's not about whether we're worthy. It's about have the poor been fed? What what should we remember at this table? Not your earliest childhood. What should we remember? Well, you can remember the death of Jesus. He laid down his life can remember the poor who are hungry absolutely but we should also remember that we're forgiven our sins are forgiven we come to eat this meal and taste grace and goodness and that's why today and every once in a while in the life of our congregation we do what's called a joyful communion it means that instead of somber music and the house lights lowered we play more joyful music Nothing somber. And we delay the greeting and we greet one another. And I don't know exactly what joyful communion looks like at home. I don't know. Maybe it's chocolate croissants and mimosas. I don't know. And maybe it's you get on Zoom and you call friends and you celebrate the grace and love of God. But the idea is that we feast on goodness. I know that God forgives us because it says so in the Bible. But it's not the only way I know. I told this story years ago, and some people may remember it. When I was still at the seminary, my colleague and I, David May, had an invitation from one of our students named Joe. He had graduated and was going to his first pastorate in Newark, Ohio. Happens to be the home of Longerberger Baskets, if you're familiar with those. Well, Joe invited us to come and be a part of his installation, which was a great honor. We made a weekend of it, a Friday night thing at the church. Saturday night was the installation service, and then Sunday morning, Joe would preach as the newly installed pastor. 
Well, Sunday afternoon, as it was getting late and heading into the evening, we dropped by Joe's house because we were trying to figure out what the plan was for a meal that night. And they said, we're all going out to eat. Well, we thought, well, sure, yeah, we're all going out to eat afterwards. And they said, no, 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 we're, we're going to eat on the way. Well, we looked at our watches and we thought, how in the world? He had all this family, there's 19 of us. How are we going to get in a restaurant, get out in time and get... I mean, that just doesn't seem possible. And it's not like we can be late to the installation. And so they told us, well, we're going to a restaurant called Miller's. Why don't y'all go ahead, put your name on the list. And when we get there, it'll work out. And so we said, good plan. So we rushed over to Miller's. It was an Amish home cooking restaurant. Oh, my gosh. And it was packed. And I thought, it's a good thing we got here early. When you, when you went in, there was a bakery all kinds of baked goods, longer burger baskets for sale. If you wanted to take out a second mortgage, you could buy one of those. And you had to whittle your way through to get up to give your name. And so here was this girl in the cotton dress and the Amish man with the kind beard and face. And, and, and then I was just about to give our name and the party number when I saw the hand-carved wooden sign right there. Please do not report in until all of your party is here. Which I think is a good rule if you have two or four or whatever, but we had 19, so I said, yes, Graves, party of 19. And the kind Amish man said, and is all your party here? And I said, uh-huh. I know, I know. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> In fact, when I got back to David, he said, you lied. And I go, I know. And he goes, you lied to the Amish. The Amish, who lies to the Amish? They're such nice people. And I go, it's a harmless thing. I mean, by the time Joe and them get here, party of 19, it's going to be fine. And then the guy says, Graves, party of 19, your table is ready. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. David said, ah, we're in trouble. I said, no, no, no. Go out, see if they're here. I'll stall. They weren't here. We called. Joe said, yeah, we're having trouble. We're running a little bit behind. Oh, no, you're not having trouble. We're having trouble. So I went back up. I took David with me because, well, strength in numbers. And I said, um, yeah, Graves Party 19. <laughs> Funny thing. Um, I guess we're not quite all here yet. And the kind Amish man said, did you lie? And it got very quiet. Suddenly we were in church. And I said, yeah, I did. He said, you two come with me. And I thought, oh my God, what do the Amish do to liars? I was picturing like caning or stocks, you know, or something. But he led us out into the middle of the restaurant. Then I thought, He's going to make an announcement and, and shame us. I think shaming might be part of that. I don't know. But no, we kept going. And then I thought he's throwing us out the back door. But instead, he opened the door and there was this huge banquet table, long table and little baskets of bread with jam and butter. And he smiled, Amish smile. And he said, have some bread. You are forgiven. 